everybody and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here i'm your host michael montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes it a truly unique on this episode we examine the events that occurred july 8th on the morning of July 4th, 1947, or close to it, it honestly may have been in June, 75 miles from a town in New Mexico, rancher Mac Brazel saw something in a sheep pasture that shouldn't have been there. What he saw will shock you. Laying in the field were metallic sticks bound by tape, plastic chunks, foil reflectors, and scraps of a thick, glossy, paper-like material that may or may not have been paper. This confused Brazel, and so he did the only thing he could think to do and called the sheriff. The sheriff, equally confused, did the one thing he could think to do and called the nearby Army Air Force Base, and they, in turn, showed up to the pasture and combed the area, picking up any of the mysterious debris and transporting it away in armored trucks. This, of course, was near Roswell, New Mexico, and led to one of the biggest, if not the biggest, UFO conspiracies to ever come out of the 20th century. Over the next few days, the whole thing was reduced to rumors on the street. Something you would tell your barber while getting a shave and a haircut, and then something happened to change all of that. The year was 1947, and on this day, July 8th, reports of a UFO crash landing in Roswell, New Mexico began to hit papers and be broadcast to the world. That morning, the Roswell Daily Records headline read, RAAF Captures Flying Saucer on Ranch in Roswell Region. This headline was short-lived, though. The very next day, an Air Force official clarified the report, and the news story stated that the saucer was nothing more than a weather balloon that had crashed and was not, in fact, an alien spacecraft. But was there any truth to that? Maybe, as the military was working on the top-secret Project Mogul. In 1947, the world was only two years out of the Second World War and America's deployment of the so far only two instances of the atomic bomb being used in combat. As we know, the world didn't want the Americans to be the only ones with a superweapon, and the Soviet Union began developing their own, which ultimately led to the Cold War, in part. That's another episode. The Soviets had actually begun work on an atomic bomb in 1943, but work did not accelerate until they learned of the Trinity test, the detonation of the first nuclear device done by the Americans, and then, when President Harry S. Truman told Joseph Stalin of the atomic bomb program for the first time, both in July of 1945. So why did I tell you all of that? Well, in 1947, the Soviet Union had not successfully tested an atomic bomb, but the United States knew that work was being done on one. So Project Mogul was set up with a mission to seek out and detect Soviet nuclear bomb tests. It was a method of spying on our rivals, or enemies if you prefer, using a low-tech method. Kind of low-tech. Project Mogul was a top-secret project that needed new materials not yet readily available or known to the common man. They had to invent a number of high-tech solutions that included ultra-lightweight and ultra-strong metals, fiber-optic cables, and fireproof fabrics. It was perhaps because these materials were so foreign to the public that one would assume they came from outer space. 
and going somewhat further into the distant future of 1994, it was revealed by the government that the Roswell weather balloon was a part of Project Mogul. This explanation, though, has done little to appease conspiracy theorists. But that's just one explanation, and this wouldn't be a conspiracy theory without a few good twists and turns. Enter Lieutenant Walter Hout. Lieutenant Walter Hout was the public information officer at Roswell at the time. Throughout the interviews he gave during his lifetime, it was shown and appeared that he was very nonchalant and dismissive during the whole alien of it all. In a 1990 taped interview by Fred Whitting, Hout stated, Well, we sure shot ourselves in the foot with that balloon fiasco. It was just something from a project at Alamogordo, and some of the guys were here on our base later, too. Anyway, it's done and over with. In 1992, he was tracked down for an Air and Space Smithsonian Magazine article by Frank Kuznick, who wrote, Before my trip to Wright-Patterson, I tracked down Walter Hout, the retired base public information officer who wrote the infamous press release, and asked him if he ever actually saw the wreckage. No, and I feel like an idiot every time somebody asks me that, he said ruefully. I got a call from the base commander who basically dictated what was in the press release. Here's the thing, however. Hout himself would also state he didn't remember writing or being dictated the press release. Given the time difference, though, by this point almost 50 years, you might be forgiven for not remembering details. But this would seem something a bit hard to forget if it were aliens. Adding even more to the strangeness, supposedly he wrote an affidavit before his death in 2005. In July 1947, I was stationed at the Roswell Army Air Base serving as the base public information officer. At approximately 9.30 a.m. on July 8th, I received a call from Colonel William Blanchard, the base commander, who said he had in his possession a flying saucer or parts thereof. He said it came from a ranch northwest of Roswell and that the base intelligence officer, Major Jesse Marcel, was going to fly the material to Fort Worth. Colonel Blanchard told me to write a news release about the operation and to deliver it to both newspapers and the two radio stations in Roswell. He felt that he wanted the local media to have the first opportunity to have the story. The next day I read in the newspaper that General Roger Ramey in Fort Worth had said the object was a weather balloon. I believe Colonel Blanchard saw the material because he sounded positive about what the material was. There is no chance that he would have mistaken it for a weather balloon. Neither is there any chance Major Marcel would have been mistaken. In 1980, Jesse Marcel told me that the material photographed in General Ramsey's office was not the material he had recovered. I am convinced that the material recovered was some type of craft from outer space. This affidavit was to only be opened after Hout's death, which it was, and has given some credibility to conspiracy theorists as an official from the base is backing their claims. As this is a major conspiracy and a tourist straw for aliens and Roswell, this, of course, doesn't end here. I don't want to make this into a four-hour episode of conspiracy theories, though, so I'm going to end on this tidbit that spanned into the next few decades. In the 1950s, the Air Force conducted a series of secret dummy drops over air bases, airfields, and unoccupied fields in New Mexico. The official reasoning was that they wanted to test ways for pilots to survive falls from high altitudes, and so they made these featureless test dummies complete with latex skin and aluminum bones. 
After crash landing, military vehicles would then move on to the location and retrieve the bodies. And I'm sure you see where this is going. Supposed alien bodies found at the crash site at Roswell were taken to Area 51 to be studied and have autopsies performed. To cover up the alien bodies being discovered, the Air Force began performing these tests in order to explain the military presence and the alien bodies being taken away. Documents leaked in 1984 seemingly confirm this and refer to Majestic 12, or MJ-12, a secret operation by Truman to handle the Roswell situation, although this was determined to be false and there is no evidence to support the existence of MJ-12. I hear you, top secret. Then of course you have the alien autopsy video that many claim to be the most concrete evidence of alien life and government cover-up. This too has been deemed a fake as the video's director has come forward and claimed it to be false. So it looks like they got to him. I'm curious to see if any of you have had paranormal encounters. Do you believe in aliens? And what do you think happened in Roswell in 1947? Leave me a comment below, the crazier the better. In any case, I think we can all agree we have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Cue the Warehouse by John Williams. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Side Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. Thank you to Tim Kreitz for recording some dialogue for me. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. From the base.